Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got John Lehman. Now, John is from Canada, and it seems like I've had a lot of guests on from Canada lately, which is totally fine because it's a very intriguing place to me. Not only do they have a ton of wildlife, they grow some huge animals up there. And so we're going to talk all about his experiences in the outdoors, what he's into hunting and fishing, and it should be a great episode. And I need to make a trip up there. I keep talking to people. From there, I keep talking to friends who go up there for specific hunts, and I just need to start branching out a little bit. I mean, it's not that far. In fact, I used to go up every summer fishing, and it's been years since I've done that. So I need to start planning a trip to Canada. I just decided that's what I'm going to do. But before that happens, let's jump into this call with John. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. And joining me is an Alberta hunter. And looking at his backdrop, I'm pretty jealous. He's got white tails, he's got muleys, and you've got a killer mustache, I must say. I, I try oh, to do the you. mustache. My wife won't. She hates it. She's like, there's about a three hour period where she's like, that doesn't look bad. And by the end of the night, she's like, can you please cut that off? So, uh, John, thanks for hopping on the show with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. The mustache is killer, but you got to get past that first stage and then you're good. <laughs> I know. Well, in my my other problem, I call it the reverse Hitler. I don't grow anything like directly below my nose. It just kind of has a gap right there. And so... No matter what I do, my facial hair game isn't that strong. Uh, I feel feel like you could start a new trend with that, though. You could have, like, the comb-over version of a mustache. Ooh, that's good. Just cover it up. <laughs> I did. I, I started using some beard oil a while ago when I had a little bit more facial hair, and I would comb it. Like, I would just part it from the center down my chin, on my lip, and part it out. And as soon as I did that, I'm like, man, I look like a sailor. Like, I look like one of those old, crusty dudes on a tugboat cruising in the Atlantic and I loved it. But yeah, my wife, she doesn't like baby face. She doesn't like clean shaven. I don't like it either. Cause you can see like all three of my chins at that point. Uh, but I, she also doesn't like a long beard. So I'm kind of like stuck in limbo. Yeah. Oh, well, just roll with it. Hey, you look, it looks good now. So roll with that. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, so why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself? What, uh, Maybe one, a little bit more about where you're from and then kind of what you're into as far as hunting goes. Yeah, so uh, I live up in Alberta, Canada and, uh, you know, started hunting at a really early age. And when I started hunting, it wasn't kind of to the extent that I, I hunt now. It was kind of, you know, went out with my dad and his friends and, you know, did whitetail hunting and did some mule deer hunting. Uh, he had to do draws around here for mule deer and uh, moose. And, you know, I did a little bit of moose hunting with him, but it wasn't a ton. It was just mostly deer and 
just kind of like, you know, push and bush style. Right. So kind of yeah. grew up with that. And then, yeah, as I got, as I got older, obviously being in Alberta, it's kind of like the Mecca. We can almost, there's not a lot we can't hunt in the province. Um, so, you know, I got into bow hunting and that's when things kind of really took off. And yeah, now I, it's funny. It's, it's, well, what is it? It's March 22nd today. So yesterday me and a buddy, we picked up our first boat of bear bait. We get a, we get a bunch of bread. So we picked up a whole pickup truck. So we're getting ready to do that, getting ready to do a hog hunt. Um, and then in the fall, yeah, I'll hunt with my bow because you don't have to draw or whitetail, muley or elk. So I'll, I'll chase those with my bow. Uh, moose, there's an area about 45 minutes from me where I can hunt moose with my bow without drawing. Um, and yeah, then I, I got into sheep hunting four years ago. And yeah, so the list goes on. <laughs> waterfowl, I can't miss either because we talked a little before but yeah I, I do a lot of waterfowl hunting so yeah it's kind of so you can do all of that within an hour of home yeah i can do all of that or we my bear hunting our base camp uh is in northern alberta and so the base camp is about two hours from me and then our baits and we have a house my buddy has his farms there and we have a shop so it's a little setup base camp we stay there and then we can get to all our baits within about an hour from that place. So yeah, I'm pretty lucky for that. And so, yeah, I'm, and, I'm jealous for sure. I, I can, I mean, I can do a lot of small game hunting. I can deer hunt and turkey hunt and then waterfowl. None of it's amazing. Some of it's pretty good. And then everything else I basically have to draw for, you know, we don't have moose. Yeah. We are just getting into elk and bear. There's no wolves here. There's no antelope. There's no mule deer. Uh, so where I'm at, I'm pretty restricted. But yeah, I could drive a half a day in any direction and get into a lot more of that stuff. Yeah, that's nice too. I uh, I like traveling, but you know, young. I have a young family, so I have a five year old and an eight year old. So it's it's nice to be able to leave my house and know that I'm here within an hour for most things. And it, it's funny, yeah. like I. I sourced out a lot of people in, in my province, they hunt elk. So the way it works, it's kind of different everywhere. Some of the season opens in the fall for deer and elk and moose, August 25th. And some of it opens September 1st. <clears throat> so up where it opens for elk specifically, August 25th, you can hunt from 25th till September 16th with your bow. And then the rifle season opens. So you still get a little bit of that rut. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I picked an area away from there because I, instead of battling gun hunters, there's a lot more people that go up to that area. I was able to find an elk spot, you know, about an hour door. I can be leave my door and be in sitting down within about an hour, hour 15. So got lucky. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, that's awesome. What, I mean, have you noticed uh, with it being kind of over the counter, you can just get a tag without drawing? is the caliber of animals and the quantity of animals still pretty good there? Yeah, I would say, uh, <clears throat> so whitetail, like between us and Saskatchewan, I think we have some of the best whitetail hunting in the world. Um, if we're talking, if we want to go through all the animals. So a lot of people come up here from the States and shoot whitetails. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's funny. Lots of guys, you know, they won't touch a 140, 150 inch whitetail around here, here. Cause they, you know, you, you can get way bigger. I'm not saying that's what I do, but a lot of guys, you know, they won't, to them, that's, you know, it can grow. Right. Where yeah. I know you guys in the States, like 
140 150 you guys are like holy like the one behind me is is 170 175 roughly so yeah big boy so we have it's good for that muley same thing like you have to draw and rifle but a lot of zones you can chase it with your bow and uh <clears throat> the thing hampering the mule deer population here is chronic wasting disease so the way they've managed the herds in the last few years it seems like they're either dying off because of that or it's taking less years to get a draw so i i find like our mature mule deer population guys used to shoot 200 inch plus mule deer on the regular and i i feel like talking to other hunters and some of that i feel like that's kind of dropping off they're still here but it's dropping off a little bit <clears throat> and then yeah as for elk they're so smart that like yeah you're still seeing good elk populations and to be honest if anything they're expanding like into areas where normally you don't see elk so where i have where i hunt um i get lots of permission because the farmers they don't like the elk they wreck their crops mm. and they're not native to that area so the farmers just within the last i would say 10 years probably not even that but i'd say about 10 they've started to have issues with them so they want to get rid of them right so yeah it uh i think the populations have have been pretty stable and our and our government like the fish and conservation do a good job of keeping that moose as well like so moose ever since i've hunted you've had to you've had to draw for them except for there's an area to the west of me that's that's more populated with lots of houses, like rather than farmland. So they allow you to go in there without a draw and uh, it's bow or muzzle loader after a certain date. And you can take a moose every year out of there. But everywhere else in the province, for the most part, um, is a draw. And I've just noticed even in my area last year, I drew and uh, the moose population, like I'm seeing moose way more than I had seen any other year and i've been going out there for 20 plus years since i was a kid so Dang. i think they're doing a good job at it yeah that's that's amazing i mean to hear that the populations are doing great obviously cwd when that comes yeah. in like there's as much as they try to manage for it it's one of those things that like it's going to do what it does that there's going to be a die-off there's going to be a lot of fatality or mortality yeah. issues with it um but I'm hoping that with all the research and all the different states and provinces that are dealing with it right now, that they're going to start figuring out solutions, like whatever that looks yeah. like. Do you cut the deer herd down to 50% and then all of a sudden it can bounce back and not be as prevalent? Or I think we're going to see more answers for it here in the next five, 10 years. At least I hope so. Hopefully yeah, me too. Find a way I think to they put a lot of effort into studying it. Like you said, it's, it's pretty, it's a common issue and again i go back to being a kid i remember like saskatchewan is east of me um it's the next province over and i remember like oh don't hunt by the border like cwd is coming right and now you know i'm i'm four three four hours probably from the border maybe a little less too anyway it doesn't matter i'm a ways from the border now it's it's all the way halfway if not further through the province where you have to like mandatory submit yeah. um so, and actually this last year just found out they kind of, they gave up on the mandatory submission because it's so many zones that they're overwhelmed. So, so they're just doing border to see how bad it is. And they're doing the edge, the other Western edge to see how far it's gotten and how bad it's getting over there. Anyone in between, if you want to submit, you can, but they're not making you anymore. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's definitely a problem, but 
like you say, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they have a solution or they're going to come up with one. So, yeah, they've, I know they do a lot of different things depending on what state you're in here. They do different, like either mandatory submissions <clears throat> in Wisconsin this year, actually the taxidermist that I took my deer to, he was like, Hey, would you be okay sending in a sample for CWD? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And he's like, okay, cool. I get paid like $7 per sample I send in or something like that. I'm like, oh, well, that's an interesting way to do it. You know, you incentivize the taxidermist or the deer processors. Um, some counties up there, you have to do it, like no matter what. Uh, I think they're going to start being more strict on uh, sending in samples here in Missouri where I'm at because from what I understand, they found CWD in a lot of counties last year. And so we'll oh, see really? how that affects the deer herd because – We've dealt with blue tongue or EHD, um, but yeah. CWD hasn't, as far as I know, been prevalent in my part of the state. And uh, now yeah. that it has, who knows? I've seen I've seen government agencies go one of two ways. You know, they're like, "Hey, it's going to run its course," or "Hey, we're going to wipe out the entire deer population here and then start over." And I don't know what what stance Missouri is going to take on that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's such an interesting problem and. Yeah, like you say, I hope they can figure something out. Because same here, it just it got kind of overwhelming, and and they've changed kind of the way they make you do submissions. And I know some people they don't submit, but it's crazy. Like the disease itself. Like my buddy, he arrowed a really nice buck this year, and he actually wasn't going to submit. And the taxidermist that we go to, he's big. He's written articles on CWD, so he convinced him to submit, and it was positive, and he couldn't believe it. Right? Like you know, to have a healthy, what looked like a healthy deer, I probably would have had a rough winter, but yeah, it's kind of crazy to watch and 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 talking to the taxidermist. It's pretty if you get a positive case like that, then within the deer herd, it can it can the percentage that other deer are gonna get it is actually pretty high because you know they herd up so much this time of year or like January and that they're kind of together. And, and so yeah, hopefully I don't know if it's thinning the herds or like what what the best option is, but hopefully they can figure something out. Do you, do you guys have kind of a contentious debate uh, up in Canada about the origins or about how it spreads? Because I know down here in the States, there's a big, like, it's high fence operations, it's deer farms. They're the ones spreading it across the whole country. And then there's a lot of people who are like, that's not it at all. I mean, deer, yeah. deer can wander and they can, although mature deer have a small home range, like younger deer can move and it doesn't take long for it to spread. Yeah. And from my understanding, I don't really know like where it came from. Um, it's funny you say that because, you know, we don't have a lot of fenced farms, like deer farms up yeah. in Canada here because we have such a good population and it's so vast and yeah, we, we just get big, big deer. So I've actually never heard that. Um, but as far as how it spreads, you know, I've had discussions and I did my own research when it first came in to Alberta, into my area, I got like super stressed out because I'm like, well, can we get it? Like, how does it work? And from, from my reading and this could be wrong but from what i understand it's 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 a it's in the same family as mad cow disease yep. but it doesn't transmit to humans and uh but it transmits between the herds just from like their feces and their urine right so you can imagine i mean you've walked deer trails like if that's how you know it spreads and we don't allow baiting here in alberta they do in saskatchewan which is interesting because that's where it kind of started becoming prevalent. Yeah. Um, but the but the problem is farmers have grain bags, right? And so 
that's a big argument about amongst hunters is like what's what does it matter if we bait or not we know all the deer are going to the grain bags because you know they can get them open and then the spread of the disease is there anyway yeah so it's interesting and then like when i read in the article they'd done a bunch of research on they put a whole bunch of infected mule deer in a corral and let them eat and you know do their thing in there for a week or i forget exactly how long and then they put cattle in there to see if it would contaminate and and there was no transmission between the two animals um so it's, it's just an interesting it's an interesting disease i like i say i don't know enough about it just a little research i did it's there's been no um evidence that it's ever been transmitted to humans yeah um that being said i do my due diligence and like i take my i do most of my butchering but then i'm not quite set up yet to be able to make my own pepperoni and stuff so i'll take that in i make jerky and keep my good cuts and stuff but so I feel like I have to do my due diligence, make sure it's not contaminated when I'm giving it to them or they do like other livestock and stuff. So yeah, it's an interesting problem. And like you say, I just try to stay informed and on top of it and ask questions to the people that know when I can. Yeah. Did you, uh, do you know if your buddy ate that deer? So it's funny that you asked that cause he called me and he's like, have you ever had one positive? And I said, no. And he's like, it's not transmitted. And he's like, I called the fish cops and asked what I would do. And they're like, well, we have to tell you to get rid of it or burn it or bury it. Right. Um, but he's like, he's like, it doesn't transmit, but he's like, knowing what I know now, it's not the same. So he's like, I, I think I'm going to throw it out. And I think he ended, he ended up throwing it out, but it bothered him. Cause like, yeah. you know, as hunters, we want the meat and we enjoy it. And he took the time to butcher and and he, he was pretty upset about it. And then the other issue that happens is that's a draw, right? So that took him, I think, three years because it's dropped. It used to be five to get a mule deer draw. And you don't you don't get that tag back, right? So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's interesting. But I guess do our thing and try to help solve the problem is the best thing we can do, right? Yeah. So it's good he submitted because, I mean, in my area, he like, I didn't realize it wasn't mandatory this year again, like it had been, and then it changed. Um, so it's good to know that, you know, around my deer herd, there is a po- like, there's a possibility that you're going to get some positives. So I got I, lucky I, this year. I have Sorry. not had a positive. In fact, I don't know if anybody in my family has killed one that tested positive. I yeah. don't know what I do for a long time. I was like, ah, oh, dude, I just eat it. Like there's no case. It's never been transmitted. And then I think like, what if, man, what if it's the one, what if I'm the one, but statistically it's almost impossible because you have to think there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of deer that have already been consumed where the consumer didn't know that it was positive for CWD. Yeah. And I mean, nobody's going crazy. I mean, people are going crazy all over the place, but I don't think it's from that. <laughs> maybe we solve the world problem. Maybe that is what it's from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I, that's why everyone's going nuts now is because they're getting CWD and transmitting it and nobody knows it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, am the same way. I just now I butcher a touch differently. Like I w I wouldn't even say differently. Like I won't, they say to stay away from the spine and the spinal cord and those fluids. So I'll just, you know, especially mule deer there's been some positive cases in whitetail but it's obviously a lot more prevalent in mule deer anyway in our area and then it's even more prevalent in in bucks than it is those so yeah i just i just 
take a little extra effort in trying to stay away from that spinal cord and all that stuff just to, you know, if I do get, I haven't got it positive either. So I've shot a mule deer, oh, I don't know, last couple of years and I have no positive. My white tails haven't been positive. So here's the hoping. Yeah, man, that's crazy. So of all the things that you hunt, I know you said that you got into archery. That's when things like really kicked off. Now you're into sheep. I hear a lot of people talk about sheep is like the top of the top. Like once you're into sheep hunting, there's nothing like it. Is that how it is yeah. for you? Uh, you know what? I uh, I have a love hate relationship with sheep hunting. Um, it's a battle. Like, so I've done. We don't have horses. Um, we met some guys this year with horses, and uh, it, it's that's a different world in itself as well. It definitely takes on a whole world where, you know. I could deer hunt in some pretty awful camel and some pretty awful clothing and my, maybe my boots weren't the best. And like, you know, my whole life maybe didn't spend top dollar. Well, when you're in sheep country, it's a different world. Like it, it is, it's rugged and it's windy. And if it gets wet and you get wet, like you're wet for a week, like it's, it's, it's rough. And uh, so I kind of got baited in. I, I think I've went, this year coming up will only be our fourth year. So the first year we went, we went kind of the end of September and uh, we got beautiful weather. Like we got some snow the one night, but not a bunch. And we got some sleet and like some windy days. And, and I remember those days being like, I'm like, why do people do this? Like in the time but when, when you reflect on the trip, you're like, man, it was a blast. And I have yet to kill around because they have to, you know, it has to be a trophy or it has to like go past it. The curl has to go past its ear. You like, there's like a rule for it. Right. So we've seen some rams, none of them were legal. Um, so good experience. And then year two miserable, like it, it snowed. We woke up to like a skiff on our tent, but like up the hill, there was like six inches and like wind, the wind was nuts. And, and it was just, it was just miserable. It was everything in me to like, I'm pretty stubborn and we gritted it out, but it was just everything in me. So, and then this year we, we decided like, well, if that was bad, why don't we go at the end of October? So that's what we did. We went at the end of October and it was, it was cold and miserable. I enjoyed it more than the year previous. Cause I was prepared, I think mentally for it. Yeah. I'd kind of been, like I said, baited in the first year with like, Oh, it's beautiful up here. And then, you know, got hammered. So it is, I love it. I love every hunt I do. I like learning about the animals um, in Alberta here. And you're, you haven't been able to hunt grizzlies since 2005. Um, BC, st they stopped hunting grizzlies, I want to say four or five years ago. It might be longer now. The population, it, it, like I don't care what the government is saying, it's out of control in those zones. Um, I know some, I've seen more grizzlies than I have sheep, barn, like hands down. And, uh, this year I talked to a, he's a guide and he, he knows wildlife very well. And he said he was in a bowl and in the time he was in that bowl, he counted six different grizzlies and he did not see one ungulate track, not one, the whole time he was in there. So I'm a little worried about how that's going to pan out and, uh, not to change a subject into bears, but you know, there's a lot of people that used to bait bears kind of on that Western edge of our province towards the Mount Rocky mountains there. And, uh, they, they started to get grizzlies on their bear baits. So the bear baiting areas that you're allowed to bait in is slowly kind of dwindled. So yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I'm, I'm a firm without getting into 
you know, debates with people. I'm a firm believer there needs to be a grizzly season. I don't yeah. think you need, you don't need to go out there and hunt them like you do black bears. We want to keep the population. I'm all for that, but nothing kills the grizzly bear except for old age and other grizzlies. So, and trains. Um, so it'd be nice to do something. I don't know if you can do something like the Yukon where you want, you can get a tag every three years. I just want to tag. So, you know, if I shoot a ram on the mountain, I've heard too, it's like a dinner bell for them. Right. And they'll come running in cause they know there's a meal there and animals aren't stupid. If they haven't been hunted for 15 years, they know, they know we're not a threat to them. Like, yeah. So anyway, I, I won't get into that, but as for sheep hunting, it is, it is, it is a different beast. And, uh, it's something you got to kind of be physically ready for and, and like mentally ready for, but man, it's, it's beautiful country and, and it's, it's, it's worth it. It's good. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, when you can get into a hunt like that, that just pushes your limits. I mean, you have to push yourself past comfortability. It's, Hey, it's a grind. We're out here. We got to do yep. whatever it takes to make it happen. I, I totally understand the grizzly thing. Like in my mind, all animals should be man all game animals should be managed and all large mammals especially should be managed by the biologists the conservationists like they do this for a living and they've been successful like you said you've got growing populations all over the place with grizzlies if they're becoming a problem they need to be managed just the same and it shouldn't just be government trappers going and dealing with problem bears you know there's a way that they can produce a revenue for the for the province and allow hunting opportunities and so yeah. that's kind of where i stand on it I, I stand on that with wolves with bears with mountain lions bobcats all of these all of these animals that people for some reason think are cute and cuddly even though they'd tear your face off if they had the chance uh and yeah yeah i just think they need to they need to be managed and yeah. obviously if it's got too small of a population they're probably not an issue it's not a problem but in no. those areas where they are something's got to happen so well and even just even just the animal understanding that we are a threat now yeah. just that little bit of fear of us because i'm worried about like and there has been attacks and there's there's stuff on attacks and i mean if you look at the province won't tell you there's a problem but if you go and you talk to anybody that's sheep hunting like we went we would go to we went to those horse these horse guys we met to their camp after and you're visiting with a bunch of different guys and everybody's on the same page like the people who are out there they're like it's it's becoming a problem and and so i'm going to go into the wolf thing you said it's funny because i i wolf hunt as well i've never shot a wolf because they're smarter than me but um they're incredibly smart it blows my mind but we were up hunting kind of actually a little bit further north than where i bear hunt now but in the same area and you know we weren't we've seen some tracks but we weren't seeing a bunch of of animals and then um we get back to town and we talk to somebody in the grocery store. He's like, what are you guys hunting? And we're like, oh, we're out for wolves. He's like, oh, you ain't going to find any here. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, oh, the government just came with helicopters, you know, last month and they shot 250 of them. Well, you don't read that in the news. No. And the whole reason, the whole reason they did that is because there's a caribou run there and uh, the wolves, they destroy the caribou. Right. And they're so smart. You can't like wolves are tough. So the government killed a bunch and, I started, did some research after and it turns out, yeah, like, and there was trappers losing their mind because they, they just left them to rot. Right. And their trappers were like, I can't leave any piece of fur on my line and the government can do this. So yeah, it's frustrating what they, what they do behind closed doors to keep everyone happy where, you know, there's ways to manage the population and, 
And the problem is, is in a perfect world, I tell people, it's like, yeah, we shouldn't have to manage this. But you look at pipelines and, and all these things that we put into the bush. And now if a, if, if a pack of wolves gets a caribou running down that, you know, it's, it's easier for them than in the bush. Like we've given the advantage to them. So it's kind of our job to kind of help ma- manage in every aspect, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a natural order and, animal populations balance out it's very rare that like one animal completely depletes another uh population that eventually they balance out right because the carrying capacity for wolves isn't going to be sustainable or it's not going to be very high if all the prey is gone and so that's where i fall in the like you look at alaska everyone's like wolves are the worst wolves are the worst and it's like but if you truly believed that if a wolf reintroduction happens all the elk are going to be gone all the deer are going to be gone all of these things are going to be gone how do you explain alaska like they've got everyone wants to go there to hunt they've got giant animals they've got all kinds of hunting opportunities and there's a ton of wolves there and it's the fear of the unknown and so when you're in an area that hasn't had wolves for 60 years and all of a sudden the government's saying hey we're going to reintroduce them now you're going, okay, well, that's impeding on my hunting opportunities, the amount of animals that I'm going to see. It's going to disperse the animals. But at the end of the day, unless unless you're dealing with agriculture or ranching, you know, like I get that side of it. You got a bunch of sheep. You got a bunch of cows. I wouldn't want wolves within 200 miles of where yeah. I'm running cattle. Um, as far as hunting goes, I think, again, it would have to be regulated yeah. by the government, by the – fishing game agencies otherwise it can get out of control all right guys if you've been listening to the podcast i'm sure you've heard me talk about the helicopter hog hunt that i did down in texas now i went down there with rogue texan outfitters and landon and brandon the owners put us on the animals we killed 150 pigs and 19 coyotes just from the air on top of that we went out thermal hunting at night and got up close and personal two more hogs I didn't have to worry about bringing guns or ammunition because all of that was provided for me and it is to this day the most action-packed day of hunting I've ever had. I stand by what I've said in the past and that's that helicopter hog hunting is the funnest thing that you can do with pants on. In addition, they offer sandhill crane hunts and predator calling. So if you're looking for the most exciting hunt of your life and something that you're going to want to come back and do year after year, go check out roguetexan.com and book your hunt today. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. And I think this is just a guess. I have no evidence to prove this, but I've, I've told people this is like, you know, the wolf population, even some of the grizzlies that are, I remember my dad and some older people talking about like prairie grizzlies, right. Which is unheard of now. And now you're seeing them start to move, move down and, and do their thing. And I, I'm like, I see that because, you know, as they move down and as these wolves are there and some of the like big, bush area i think it's pushing and that's why i'm seeing elk in these areas i hunt it's pushing them into the farmland because there's there there's predators there and they're not stupid either and so they they push they move they migrate and and they learn to live a little bit differently so if you go back to you know what my dad would have told me when he was a kid like years ago you know i think maybe it's just like you said it's like a cycle you know we're going back kind of into that which isn't necessarily a bad thing either so just changes the way you do things right yeah it definitely does i 
I mean, I very rarely hunt in moose or sorry, in grizzly or wolf country. And so I feel like it's somewhat unfair for me to have a strong opinion about this stuff, but it's funny because the places that I have gone, like out in Colorado, we were driving through this one town to get to, um, to get to our elk camp this year. And I saw a sign, some, some farmer had posted a sign up on, uh, up on this post. And it was like, if you voted for the reintroduction of wolves, recreate somewhere else, you are not welcome here. And I was like, Oh (laughs) shoot, man. But uh, apparently in some of those areas, they've already had, uh, livestock mortalities due to wolves. And yeah. it, and I think the biggest issue that they're going to face with it, especially the reintroduction side or animals that are pushing into new areas where uh, maybe the deer and the elk aren't used to being preyed on by them, is that the deer and the elk aren't used to being preyed on by them. And so yeah. there's not going to necessarily be that instinct of like, dude, I got to run from this thing. It's going to take a couple of years and there's going to be a lot of animals that get killed quickly because they're not used to having something higher up on the food chain aside from humans. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It all, it all, and like you said, at the end of the day, it does all, I think balance out pretty well. And I don't know, but yeah, you say you're, yeah. Like you say, you don't hunt in wolf country, but that's the thing. It's just like you hunt lots of animals. So you understand how animals work. And even me, I'm not grizzlies and, and wolves. I'm not super familiar with, but I understand that they're big and they're scary and I don't want to have to deal with them. (laughs) Like, so I would couldn't imagine having to live out there with them every day. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like I say, we for me, sheep hunting. I you know that's kind of where the grizzlies are. Otherwise, I don't really run into grizzlies in any area that I hunt in. And then wolves are they're so smart that you you don't normally see them unless they want to be seen, you know, or the odd time on a cut line you'll catch one crossing but there are wolves where i bear hunt i'm, I'm actually surprised we haven't had any on our baits um for for black bear but <clears throat> yeah it's, it's it's interesting it's fun Pre- predator hunting is is a whole different beast like black bear hunting i know you said they introduced that earlier like so we're ramping up into that right now and it, it's like it's like honestly i hate to say well i don't hate to say this but it's it's probably my favorite hunt and I tell people, I'm like, I don't know if it's because I'm cooped up all winter and I can't hunt anything. And then I get to go out and it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's one of the first hunts I take my kids on. So both my kids, they're only eight and five. They've both been on bear hunts. I shot my bear two years ago um, with my six-year-old with us in the stand. And uh, it, it's wild for them. It's like a zoo. Like we had like 12 different bears coming in and oh I didn't gosh. know how my, oh man, it was nuts. I got videos. And like, I didn't know how my kid was going to react to it. So I don't like, you know, iPads and games, but I'm like, I better take, we're going to be sitting there for a while. <laughs> I better take an iPad and some headphones and make sure I have an entire backpack full of snacks. Well, I don't think he looked at his iPad once. His eyeballs were huge and he just, he couldn't believe that these animals were walking underneath us, you know, eight feet. Cause I think we we're about 12 feet up in one of our stands and just, just mind blown. And then this last year I took my, my youngest and same thing like yeah it's interesting because you you know you explain to them i take them bird hunting too it's the two things you can kind of i think you can involve them in and get them into seeing what hunting's about without like ruining a hunt like sitting sitting for 10 hours and never talking or moving for a whitetail isn't going to happen so yeah but yeah bears it's fun it's good 
bear hunting is something that I've always wanted to do. I've got a buddy who went up, I don't remember what province he went to, wherever it was, baiting was legal. Um, and he went up in the bush, like miles back on four wheelers. And they had this whole camp set up, he ended up arrowing two bears, one big cinnamon, one big black. And he's like, dude, I had like this one bear was feet from me. I'm he, when he got up there, he was like, one, can I hunt with my bow? Two, can I hunt on the ground? And the guy's like, I mean, we don't normally have people ask that, but they set up a little ground blind for him, you know, just piled up some sticks and made some cover for him. And he's like, dude, I, I was sitting on the ground and I heard an animal breathing like right behind me. And he's like, I slowly turn and here's this giant black bear head like in my blind. And <laughs> he's like, it ended up running off. I He went after it. Anyways, amazing story. And after he told me that, I'm like, I have got to do this at some point. And everyone I talk to who's into bear hunting, they say the same thing. They're like, there's nothing like it. You know, you're oh, dealing man. with a giant predator that most people only ever see in a zoo. And yeah. it's in front of you and it's surreal. And it, I mean, I'm sure at some point, you know, you get used to it, but I can't imagine that getting old anytime soon. Well, I was going to say like, yeah, I, I would say in the mouth I've, and I, you know what, I got into it. So to explain my history of bear hunting, you know, I got into it, a buddy's like, you want to come bear bait? And I was like, I don't like the word bait. Like I was just like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, you know what? I'll come try it out. So we went and baited that year. And now I explain it to people. I'm like, you know, you ate, it, it's very controlled. So for new hunters, I've never shot a bear with anything other than a bow. So for new bow hunters, it's very controlled. Like once they commit to the bait, normally you have a ton of time to make sure your shot's good. If you're nervous and shaky, you can tell them, Hey, like I went and hunted with a guy during COVID cause he had no one coming up. And I learned a lot there and he would do that to guys like, Hey, calm, like just take a minute. The bear he's eaten. Just take a minute. You'll have a chance. Right. And so, and then I learned, it's like, you, you get to see their behavior at the bait site and just how they interact with each other, whether it's a sow or a boar or cubs and, you know, here as a, I'm sure it probably is everywhere, but you can't shoot uh, a south cubs at, or a cub under a year. Right. So you, you, yeah. you got to pick. And, and so far I've been lucky. I've shot all mature boars. I've never, I kind of don't want to shoot a female bear. I'm not against it. Um, but may, like when I went baiting that year, my buddy explained to me that like the big boars will kill the cubs to put the sow back in heat. Yeah. So that helped me with the whole bait thing. Cause I'm like, well now I can control what I shoot. Right. So yeah, it morphed into, you know, going up baiting with them one year and then, and then COVID hit. And then there was, we went up to a guide and we baited with him and I got to hunt on the ground, which was an eerie feeling too. Cause he just, he's like, well, you're an outdoorsman. He's like, I have another guy here that doesn't really go outdoors. So I'm going to take you in like five kilometers in off this oil lease road. He's like, you're not going to have cell service, but if you shoot something, I'll be back. I'm like, okay takes me in with a track machine through the muskeg sits me in a ground blind and it's like okay see you later gone and then he took takes this other guy hunting and yeah i had bears same thing all around me and like you know i i, I carry a gun and i carry bear spray but like and it, you know it was a good experience it got dark i had to wait for them and like hear the quad coming back but you know such a good experience and he's been baiting bears for 
for years. So to just learn from him and learn tricks and learn how to tell a sow from a boar. So that year was a really good experience. And then me and one of my best friends just took it upon ourselves. Like, well, why don't we just bait ourselves? So we've slowly in the last three years, just built up barrels and got bait connections. And, and yeah, I've, I've been, my taxidermist laughs at me because the, the bears, like I'm not, I don't toot my own horn, but he's like the bears you killer. It's incredible. And I've killed one every year. Like this year, I might just leave my bow in the truck because this year we went out and my buddy that I bait with, we started baiting together. We have two sites and we hope this year we're hoping for three. The, the second one was brand new this year. So I'm like, you know what? My girlfriend's coming up. My two kids are coming up. I said, I'll go to the new site because we know there's bears there. Just so far, we have sows, cubs, and younger bears. And I'm like, it's for the kids, right? Like, get them to experience it. Well, I'm sitting there watching the bears and, like, my girlfriend's in a different stand with the kids trying to get my attention. And I look over, and she's pointing down. And I look down, and there's a giant boar below me. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. So, anyway, we watch him come in. A monster. Like, I, I, I have pictures on my Instagram, but I can show you pictures, too. And uh, so I pass him. I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to leave him. Like, I don't need to shoot a bear this year. So we go back, we meet up with my buddy and he's having no luck and he hasn't shot a bear yet. So I'm like, okay, hey, well, why don't you go sit in this site? Like he's going to come back. And he's like, no, I, there's a bear at this other site. I think he's going to come in. So I just, I looked at him. I said, Mike, if this bear comes in again, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> like I can't pass him again. It's yeah. bothering me. So I go in with the kids again and he doesn't show up day two. So whatever kids loved it, right? Like they had such a blast. So they were only there for those two days. So day three comes and uh, I say, Mike, like go sit this bait site. He's like, I want to do one more at that other bait. Like I got a feeling because we had a bunch of big bears and a real, real big old bear, pretty consistent on camera. And he just had his heart set on it. So I'm like, okay. So I go out again and, I, I, I didn't sit down for 20 minutes and that bear came in and I'm like, Oh my God. And so I text him. I'm like, this bear is at the bait. I'm like, I'm, I'm taking him. So the bear was smart. He would lay down behind the barrel and then eat. And he knew I was there. He was watching me. I'm watching him. And he, and he got up to leave the bait site and kind of went crossways. And he just gave me a window enough at 15 yards. I got an arrow in him, you know, heard him go back. I'm by myself. And uh, so this, this is a bit of a story. So oh, I feel bad. Good. I'm, I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, I want to do this so bad. Oh man, you got to. So I'm by myself and I don't want to interrupt my buddy. And he's with another guy too at that site because he hasn't got a bear yet. So I already feel guilty because I just shot my fourth bear in four years and he's still waiting to get his first one. So I'm like, yeah, I shot this bear. He's like, well, do you want help? I'm like, no, I'll figure it out. So I get down from the stand follow the blood and yeah I, I i find the bear and, and like it's not a small bear so i'm like oh okay i gotta get the quad in here so i go get the quad and, I, and that that was an ordeal in itself it probably took me 30 minutes 40 minutes i had chainsaw and i had to cut some trees and i'd get back so i'm by the bear i took a few photos i'm like i need to get him out of here well i don't have a trailer all i have is a quad i don't have a snatch block i don't have anything of use to get a bear onto a quad by yourself. So I take the winch and I use some gloves and I wrap it around a tree to kind of make like a, a two to one and like br bring him over the seat. Yeah. So I, there's a sling in the quad. Luckily I wrap it on him and I, and I get 
the back end of the, the bear up and I got a log under his front feet and I'm just, I'm lifting with all my might. And I just, and, and with one, and then I'm like trying to nudge the uh, winch control with my elbow just to bring the slack up. And so anyway, long story short, this, this goes on for 30 minutes. I'm drenched in sweat. It's May. It's like pretty warm out. I get him on the quad. I'm like, okay, drive out. I, I go past the bait site. I grab all my bags and everything. I have no ratchet straps because I'm an idiot. I left them at the truck. Like, hey, I just need to get to the trail. If I'm on the trail, there's some there's some nasty puddles and mud I got to get through. But I think slow and steady. And I'm kind of like sitting on the berries, like behind me. The quad sagged. Well, I get almost to the road. The bear falls off. I'm like, oh, oh, no. I honestly wanted to cry. I was like, oh my god. But I refuse. I refuse to call anyone so i do the same thing with the winch i get him back on like at this point like you know when you've like exerted so much energy you're you're feeling weak and you're kind of like shaky yeah yeah you feel like you could throw up out of exhaustion yeah i'm exhausted finally get out to the trail and right when i go onto the trail the bear slides and he almost falls off the quad and i like i just put all my weight that i could just to hold just to pin him and luckily he didn't fall off i don't think i would have got him back on i don't i don't know so anyway i'm like i just got to get through these mud puddles so luckily everything on the trail goes pretty good i i just i see the trailer and i just onto the trailer okay roll the bear off the quad he's on the trailer i just i literally took my clothes off like down to a t-shirt and i just sat down and just drenched in sweat that took me two hours so these guys meanwhile are texting me like what's going on like I'm like, I finally text back. I'm like, I got it. I got it. We're good. I'm like, I'm heading back home. I'll meet you guys there at the end of the night. So anyway, yeah, long story short, you know, we, they come back. So we have a scale because the first year me and my buddy shot a bear. Sorry. The first year we started our bait when I was with my kid, we shot a bear. We couldn't get him on the quad. And my buddy is six, six, like six, five. And he's like 260 pounds. He's a big individual. Yeah. And we struggled two of us. So we're like, we're like, we got to get a scale to see how big these bears are. So get this black bear back and he's two or sorry, he's 331 pounds. Like, so for a black bear, you know, guys, guys always say like, Oh, 500 pound bear. That's rare. Like 331 pounds. That's big, big black yeah. bear. And uh, so anyway, that was the story of last year. And so he, he didn't end up getting bear last year. So yeah, this year it's kind of like all for him, unless it's color bear. Yeah. Maybe I'll shoot one, but. I, I say I'm gonna leave my bow in my truck, but I know full well it's not gonna happen. So <laughs> no, you're so gonna be that. the thing is I, I struggle with that all the time. I'll go out somewhere, even if I'm just going out and checking trail cameras or doing something like that, I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna bring a gun with this time. When I don't bring a gun, I see a coyote out in the field and I'm like, dang it, man, I should have brought it. When I do bring a gun, I never see him. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what it is. It just seems like every time they outsmart me one way or another or maybe yeah i don't know i just i just can't seem to get it right but i'm to the point now unless i'm just going out scouting like i always have an arrow knocked i've always got a round in the chamber like i'm ready to go because oh yeah i don't want to miss that one opportunity yeah and that's when it'll be too i know it i just know it so yeah i'll probably take it but yeah bear hunting you're gonna love it it's a it's a it's a different beast it's like you know the feeling when you put your trail cameras out for for deer yeah if you know your area you kind of got an idea with deer there but you're still like excited like oh i want can't wait to get these pictures oh for sure like times that by a thousand for bears because 
once they get onto your bait, there's just bears everywhere. And like me and my buddy will just constantly talk to each other. And we're like, Hey, we got to, and we try to name these bears to try to keep them separate. And we'll be like, Oh my God, like, look at that bear. Like, and it just like the excitement builds and it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's undescribable. And then it's nice because you know, it's good. You get up in the mornings and we get our baits ready. We check our cameras and we just kind of hang around the shop and shoot our bows and, and, uh, have some lunch. And then we head out to the bear baits and you sit at night and it's like, it's beautiful weather. The only downside to all of bear hunting is the bugs. Like the mosquitoes yeah. are terrible up here in Canada. So yeah, other than that, man, it's such a good experience. So do you have a trick for getting the bears to come in during daylight or to get more comfortable during daylight? Because my, um, mom, my mom up in Wisconsin, I think she's had, I think she's drawn three different years now for bear and she's been baiting She's got pictures of this giant boar. It, the I can't remember what she said. The conservation agent that she talked to said this bear's well over 400 pounds. And she does, she has no idea. She's never killed one. But he's like, based on this picture, he's like, how high up is this part of the tree, whatever? He's asking her all these measurements for comparisons. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's a giant bear. She gets him on camera every night. 15 minutes after she leaves the stand, that bear is in at the bait every single night. And I told, I told her, I said, that bear knows that you're there and he's waiting for you to leave. And her husband comes and picks her up with the, with the side by side. And I said, you need to have him come as if he picks you up or as if he's picking you up and then leave and have him do that 30 minutes early and see if that bear thinks like, Oh, okay. She's gone. I'm coming in now. She hasn't tried it yet, but I told her like, that's my trick. I don't know if it'll work. I'm like, are you, is your season in the spring too, as well? No, hers is in the fall. So okay. yeah, she's got a fall season. Uh, it, it basically coincides, I think with, I think it's right before whitetail archery season starts. It may okay, be yeah. time. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. So for the tip, I've, I've heard a guy, I've never tried this. We had a bear. Some bears are just smart, man. Like we had a bear once. My buddy wanted to kill because it was actually on his private land and we baited and, and it would come in and when we left and, and uh, out and then it would it switched to the mornings. And that's when I said to him, like, you need to go out there dark in the morning, get in that stand and wait. And uh, <clears throat> he, the one morning he was going to do it, he didn't. The bear showed up, whether it would have or not. One time he was sitting in the evening, he literally watched the bear walk into the bait all calm. And then I don't know if he just moved a little bit or what. And the bear stopped, looked at him. And he said the bear literally backed out, like facing him, didn't turn around, back, backwards, and then just laid down and watched. Like sometimes they're just smart, like wild. I know. So yeah, my advice, I've heard of people putting their hoodies in the stand and leaving them there, just leaving clothing with like scent and also kind of like the movement. I don't know if that would work. The I like the idea of the quad because you know they get to know that for us too, they get to know that that's a dinner bell, they get to know that you're leaving, they get to know all yep. these they're smart when it comes to that so yeah it's interesting yeah that's a big bear yeah See, we... i'll have to send you a picture of it i've only she sent oh, me yeah. a couple of them and this is on their whitetail property like this area is not known for for bears you know but on her in-laws land she was sitting there eating dinner one night and she looks outside and here goes a sow and three cubs across the driveway and she's like no way and so she started putting putting cameras out, putting bait out. And she's, 
she's fallen in love with it. But like I said, three years hasn't had success yet. And I keep telling her I'm going to shoot a bear before she does. I buy an over the counter tag when I go out to Colorado uh, for my elk season. Never even seen one out there. But every year I call her, I'm like, you got a bear tag? Yep. I'm like, me too. I'm going to kill one first. And then neither of us ever do. All right, guys, I'm excited to introduce the new age of accessing private property for hunting and fishing with Infinite Outdoors. I joined the Infinite Outdoors crew on a duck hunt in Colorado this fall, and the experience was unmatched. We were able to book the property right on their app, get directions to the blind, and had the whole place to ourselves, all for a super reasonable price. Infinite Outdoors has developed a unique way to combine conservation, technology, and private land access all through their U.S. built app and website. By working closely with landowners and on-staff biologists, they aim to bring you the best parts of accessing private land at the touch of a finger. They provide adventures for big game, turkeys, waterfowl, fly fishing, upland birds, small game, predators, and more. As yearly leases get more expensive and secluded public land gets harder to find, I believe this is the way of the future. To check it out for yourself, download the Infinite Outdoors app or visit infiniteoutdoorsusa.com and use code NOMADIC15 for 15% off your annual membership of $39.99. Yeah, for us, the nice thing too, like... I don't know about you guys, but for we have a fall and a spring season as well. Fall season, I don't hunt bears because I'm just so busy with everything else. I mean, I have a bear tag usually because we get two here, right? So I usually only shoot one in the spring and then have a second. But for for the for the spring season, it's nice because they just wake up and they're hungry. So we don't get they're not as heavy. That's why like mine, 330 pounds is a big bear in the spring because you know they just woke up and started eating. Yeah. So they'll come to the bait because because they're so hungry. So I find. The smart bears still we ha- can have that problem, but less as in the fall. In the fall, and even in the late late spring here, when it starts to green up and the ruts kicks in, you'll see we'll have bears pattern there at the bait every night, every night, every night, every night, and then all of a sudden, eh, every few nights because they're out, you know, doing their rut stuff and they, and stuff's greening up, so they're like eating, you know, normal stuff that they would eat. So I find in the fall, you have that too with all the grain and all all that stuff. Like sometimes maybe the bait if they know you're there and they, if they don't have to come to eat, then maybe they'll, they'll do that instead. But okay. yeah, it's, I don't know that for sure, but I do know like food is more prevalent than we're in the spring. That's kind of why the baits are so successful in the spring, but no, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, if they can, if they can eat at a different food source and not be, you know, in danger or not be around people, that makes sense that they would do that and then just come back in after dark or, you know, come in every yeah. couple days instead of every day. Yeah. And some bears are just smart. Like they, they don't, the big ones, right. They get, it's like every animal, they get big for a reason. So it, uh, like I said, even last year, mine, he'd come in and he'd, he'd lay down. Like, and it's funny to watch the pecking order too. Like he'd sit, there was a big sow with cubs. And that first day when I told you, my girlfriend pointed below the stand, he, he was laying there. Cause he knew if he went in there, she was going to, you know, beat him up. She was going to get him, get him out of there, chase him off. Right. And I always say like, maybe, maybe I should be a little more not scared, but aware of bears. But I, I'm like, they're so they're scared of us. We walk yeah. into the bait all the time. There'll be three bears make noise. It's the mom with cubs 
that scares me. Like we had a mom with three cubs for a bait this year. And like, if she was around like mutual respect, right? Like, Hey, we're going to yep. stay away from you. You stay away from us. You eat all you want. Like I'm here to help you out too. get the kids food. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and then those adolescent bears are funny because, you know, they're trying to prove themselves too. Right. So I, I have had a, a adolescent bear this last year kind of charge us. He was following us around and we were making noise and then he just come back and it's, he's just trying to prove himself. Right. So I've had some of that, but it's funny to watch the real big bears. Like the sows beat them up. Like they, they run their show very yeah. similar to humans. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> they yeah. run our show. That's we know, we know. You don't fight it. You don't fight it. You just let them, you just let them do it. Right. So yeah, no, it's interesting to watch their pecking order. I've, I've seen some of the videos of guys riding it on quads and they'll, they'll get some like bait off of the back of the quad and they walk over and there's bears feeding. The bears will push back, you know, 10, 15 yards, let them restock the bait. And then they're back at it before they make it back to the quad. And I'm like, that is, it's just crazy to me. Like no fence in between, no glass in between you're out there with an apex predator and i i I know that fatalities on humans are pretty low from black bears they do happen every now and then but still that's that's a different level man oh yeah it is wild like where you go to put bait in the barrels and lots of times we'll go back to our quad and they're in the tub trailer on the quad right it's like shoo (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness that's a that's a trick too right like taking the seat off of the quad and hiding it because they'll they'll shred it right and i've they had my get, buddy they're just oh, yeah, destructive animals it seems it's oh, yeah. like they're little kids they just have to tear up everything that is exactly what it's like they're like little kids man but you know what so, like i said so fun to hunt you know you know i'm not i love hunting everything like i said and we talked about sheep a little bit and it can be a grind and there can be some frustrations right and yeah, whitetail that's another big one like i get in the zone and and like i'm i i would i would say i'm not a nice person to be around because i'm so focused and i'm like i need to be in that stand i need to be there all day it's going to be cold it's going to be miserable just leave me alone till this thing dies and then i'm the happiest person in the world but there's there's a grind in all those and i just find with bears it's a lot of work to keep up to how much they eat to keep the bait full because that's the other thing keeping it full you know with work and stuff you got to keep them there because if you run out they'll find other food or you maybe lose that you know pattern that you had but the grind just isn't the same right and i and i attribute that as a fall hunt kind of to like waterfowl right i mean there can be a grind there if you if you're if you don't have the birds or maybe you're not your sets aren't good or whatever but for the most part you have you can have good hunts up here anyway where i'm at again i'm really lucky like i'm kind of just in the eastern part of Alberta, so right in the flyway, and uh, it's this last year was wild, man. We had a hunt. So I'm switching over to I'm all over, but I'm switching over to waterfowl, and we had a hunt, and like I've never decoyed birds like that in my life, and I I don't play video games. I'm not a video game guy, but I've heard people talk, and it was like respawn, man. Like we would shoot them, and we'd be we'd be going out to get them, and like we're yelling at the guys like get back in they're coming there's a tree line and they're just coming over and i got pictures of me carrying birds in and behind me there's just like another hundred birds coming in it was like it's like a video game man it was it was wild sometimes when you're on the x like you can't do anything wrong yeah and that's that's we've had a couple we've had a couple like that where it's like it's very rare where i'm at here but other places that i've hunted 
like you can be moving around and it seems like every time you get out of your seat, birds are coming in. Uh, we make that joke all the time. Like, dude, somebody go take a leak or light a cigarette. As soon as you do that, the birds are going to start dropping in and you're not going to be ready. And oh. it happens all the time, but I actually jacked my knee up. The worst injury I've ever had was on a duck hunt. And I, I was coming back because we had to bust out ice on this big, on this big lake here in town. And we probably busted like 20 feet out. We pushed the big sheets underneath the other ice, you know, cleared it all out. We were just hammering teal. It was crazy. We've never seen teal in that kind of weather. And we were just hammering teal. And my buddy yells at me. He's like, dude, get back, get back more birds. And so I'm like coming back. Well, my, my boot from my waders gets caught in the mud and it drops me to my knee, something underneath on the ground sliced through my waders uh, a pair of coveralls, sweatpants, and a thermal layer, and all the way down Ooh. to the kneecap. So Ooh. I don't know what it was, but it cut about an inch, inch and a half, all the way down to the kneecap. I didn't realize it. I just thought I like busted my knee on something. I'm like, dang, that sucked. Get back. My leg stiffens up over the course of the morning. My boots completely full of blood. Didn't know it. I just Ooh. thought I had a leak in my boot. They ended up at. They ended up calling an ambulance for me because they're like, "Dude, you're really? going to shock. You've lost that much blood." And I'm like. No, I'm good. I'm good. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, something feels weird. Like, I feel really odd. And they're like, we're calling an ambulance. It was bad. Yeah. Is but, the hunt over? <laughs> no, we were, we stayed there, man. We stayed there till we got our limit. We uh, we did that. And then it was like, all right, time to go. And once we, once we left, that's when everything kind of kicked in. I realized when I went to stand up and get out of the blind, I couldn't bend my leg. So I'm literally like walking and dragging my leg behind me. And they're oh. like, dude, you are messed up. I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. The whole huh. morning was crazy after it was the best hunt. And then the worst stuff that tagged along with the hunt, the truck got stuck. Uh, the trailer got stuck. We had to have a buddy come and pull us out of the mud. Call, had to call the ambulance. I had to go get stitches, ended up having <laughs> physical therapy. I mean, it was just wild, but one of the best teal hunts I've ever been on. Yeah, and you're recovered now, so it's a good story. Oh yeah, it's all good. I can't jump as high as I used to be able to, but that's our no. You don't yeah. need to jump to be a duck hunter. Or no, a deer. no, you're good. Yeah, we. Uh, it's funny you say that. So I hunt with a group. And we'll get to that later, but it's called. We call ourselves Bird of Birds on Instagram, but Alberta Birds, Bird of Birds. And there's there's probably four of us that are like the mainstays, and we always hunt together. Um, and we I like to bring people, right? Like new people, like fairly people that that just. We have all the decoys, and so I'll bring whoever wants to come. It's fun. It's, it's just such a good experience. I'll bring my kids, whoever. But one of the guys smokes, and we always say if it's slow, we like light up a goose start. We call it a goose start. And a I kid start. you not, every time, almost, not every time, but statistically speaking, he's on like 80%. Yeah. And, and there's birds coming. Like, it's wild. It's And I know it has nothing to do with it. I'm a superstition thing or i don't know what there's, it is but there's times for me though where i'm like dude there's got to be something with like the amount of movement because you see with goose hunting like dude you can go out there and flap if they're far enough away you flap and it's just movement and chaos over here it might get them to come in and i think there's got to be something with that because when i go out to pick up decoys that's the other thing every time we go to pick up decoys yeah. birds every yeah. single time and yeah. My favorite is my buddies, man. They'll they'll go to take a leak and they're like, dude, if a bird comes, I'm gonna lose my mind if a bird comes in. By the time they get their waders pulled down, all of a sudden they hear pow, pow, pow. they yeah. turn, oh, they get so upset. And oh man, 
it's yeah. it's such it's so much fun we we don't do a lot of water hunts here like we do a lot of field hunting oh okay um so it's a little bit different right but yeah it's it's a blast get out there early and i get some good pictures too just because it's it's dark and you get to see the sunsets and yeah we we have a blast and and actually so we we kill a lot of you know we have lots of mallards here canada's snow geese and then speckle belly geese it's kind of like and we get a ton of all that and then you know we you know, we kill some other ducks, but they're not really colored up because it's at the beginning of their migration. Yeah. Um, two years ago, though, we got wood ducks. We shot in the same, in the same like movement. They came in together and we shot them at the same time. We shot like a, a hen and a, a drake. So I have those mounted. Like we don't get those here ever. Yeah. Like I shouldn't say ever. The taxidermist from Alberta told me he's done about like four to eight in his career and he's been doing it a long time from alberta so jeez i'm sure there's been some more but yeah they're kind of a rare bird so yeah it's fun we get you know and when the canadas and the specs come in like it, it's wild and it can be it can be so much fun and actually we just um sandhill cranes they just opened up here as well so we haven't actually shot any of those we don't have any decoys but this last year the most sandhill cranes i've seen in our area ever like they're a little bit further east towards kind of saskatchewan i see a ton of them but this year like in our area we we had a lot of them so hopefully they call them rib eye of the sky i've never tried them so i i did my first sandhill crane hunt this year first time ever eating it it was unbelievable okay and, so it is good and shooting an animal that big like it's crazy you hear them from two miles away and you can see them you'll just hear and i'm like where is it? Where is it? Everyone's like looking around and the guide that we went with, he's like, stop moving. Don't even whisper. When they come in, don't move. Don't whisper. Don't do anything. And we're like, really? And my buddy's like, Hey, they're off the right side. They're off the right. And he's like, shut up. Don't say anything. And we're like, dude, you're no joke. He's like, these things will spook in a hurry. But he had us, like I said, he had us on the X. He knew exactly what time the birds were going to come in that day. He knew the order. He's like, we're going to get pairs and three packs and four packs. And then it's going to be half a dozen, then a dozen. Then we're going to get into the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, then a couple hundred. We didn't even get that far into the morning and we had already all limited out. And all of a sudden we're like picking up decoys. I mean, we're all outside of the blind and there's birds just like cupped up landing gear, you know, coming in and we're like, Oh dude, you put us right where we needed to be. And he did a good job. But that was down in Texas, and it's just cool to see, like, the different regions if you did, if you were able to follow the migration or you were like, dude, I really want to shoot a redhead or I really want to shoot a pintail or a canvasback or a wood duck. There's different places that are known for all those things. Yeah, I didn't realize that about Texas, man, going down there, hunting the coast. Nice. Redheads, we saw mm. hundreds of thousands of redheads. Really? And I'm like, dude, we don't, we never shoot them. Like, I, I think, I don't think I've ever shot one up until Texas and mm. you'll see a swarm of them. I mean, it's like a moving cloud in the sky and he's like, those are all redheads. And I'm like, what Jeez. the heck? It's just cool. I, yeah, I do I love waterfowl hunting. It's I, yeah, I love it. And it's a nice in, in the fall. I find, I call it a nice break. Cause I'll be crawling around on my hands and knees and canola and plus 30 chasing mule deer and just getting busted stock after stock. And yeah. I mean, one year I was successful the first day, so it was that ultimate high. But usually, you know, you have those lows. And it's nice to just like, okay, let's go hunt some birds. Like, yeah, 
And the guys that know birds, know birds. Like I'm learning over time, a couple of guys in the group I hunt with, but it's nice. The four of us, you know, we throw ideas off each other. If they're, if they're flaring or doing something, we're like, what's going on? And we, we play with stuff and, you know, in hunting in general, that's why I like hunting so many animals is because you, you, you're always learning and you're learning. Like, I don't need to be successful in harvesting an animal. I just like learning about them, like the way they react versus other animals. And that's where waterfowl in itself, it's like, it's a whole nother world amongst the world of hunting when it comes yeah. to like how they react and how to set your decoys up. And like, there's a science to it. And, but yeah, as far as hunting other places, like I just, I dream, I want to hunt flooded timber so bad. You see like some of the guys in the States, you know, yeah. they're down in the timber. Like me and my buddies are like, we're at some point in our lives, we're all four of us are going down there and we're like you said, doing a few hunts, if we can follow, you know, go to a couple of different States and follow a little bit, we'll see what happens. But it's like, you, yep, just, no, need to, you just need to talk to some guys. I, I guarantee you could swap a hunt. Yeah, like, probably hey, eh? man. We've got amazing field hunting for, for specks and snows and Canada's and mallards. What do you think about us coming down there doing flooded timber? And people do that all the time. And they've, yeah. I mean, there's, there's companies that have started websites off that stuff now. Or basically yeah. you go on and you just trade hunts with other people. And that'd be so sick. I might have to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, I'm, you know, once you get the bug, it's just, it's out of control. I know we've talked about a lot of different hunting. We might have to do another episode, but the other thing I want to pick your brain about, cause I started hunting turkeys. Um, I haven't, cause it, where I hunt them, I've went to Ontario and shot in, I've shot two or three, I don't know, two or three Easterns in Ontario. And we have Miriam's here. Yeah. In, in the south, south little part of our province, kind of like right down by Montana and BC and Idaho. Um, but like down in, in Alberta still, but it's like a 13 year drawer. Oh, dang. something ridiculous. Yeah. And you can hunt them in BC too, um, which I've, I've been looking into, but like my, my goal at some point, like is to get the, the slam of all the turkeys. So yeah. I would like to, I would like to try to do it in a year. Um, I follow that Johnny Utah. He, I think he, he's big Turkey guy. And yeah. I think it's like a cool challenge. I don't know that that'd be the first thing I'd go for, but like, man, Turkey, like without getting to it, like they're another beast in itself. Like I went with, with my, one of my buddies and, and, uh, he'd hunt them his whole life. He's one of the guys I waterfall hunt with. <clears throat> he had moved out here and uh, me being me, he's like, okay, hey, they got really good eyesight. And, and I didn't say this out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, listen, bud, I like, I hunt mule deer. I get it. <laughs> and we're like, I swear we were like a kilometer and a half away, which is like a mile. Yeah. And the turkeys take off. And I'm like, and we weren't like walking in the field. We were like ducking and through the bush. And he, I'm like, where are the turkeys go? He's like, well, I seen you. And I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> like, there's no way. And just, you know, again, learning, I was like, Jesus, like, maybe swallow your pride for a second. They're nothing like other animals. <laughs> I actually, when people ask me about it, I equate turkeys to kind of elk hunting. If you're hunting them yeah. in the rut with the calling and the gut, like, I don't know. It's not See, the I same, think, but like, I think turkeys are like the dumbest, smartest animal you can hunt. Yeah. I mean, like you get them in the right moment and they're just stupid. Like they really are dumb. Yeah. I've, I've crawled on my hands and knees after turkeys. I've seen the videos of the guys that will just like put their elbows out and like walk around like this and the turkeys come after them. Like you can get them in this 
moment of just stupidity it's just like a guy like some guy checking out a chick at the bar and he's all horny and he'll do whatever it takes like it's just like that but then you get the ones i had one last year i was walking in the field like there is a house and a road in between me and this field that this other bird was in and i wasn't even walking towards it i was walking like i guess maybe kind of quartering towards it and all of a sudden I'm like, is that a turkey? So I pull up my binos. I stop in the field. I pull up my binos and I look and I'm like, shoot, that's a turkey. It's a hen. Like I can't shoot it, but it's a hen. And all of a sudden I see its head pop up and it just books it. I mean, full on velociraptor runs. And I'm like, I'm 700, 600 yards away from this bird. And I know it. Like I just watched it spook because of me. Yeah. And I like, there's, there's three different fences in between us. There's a house and a road and it's still spooked, even though I was that far away. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't get them. They, they drive me crazy, but I have started to like Turkey hunting a lot more lately, but actually something you said earlier made me realize, I I think that the reason a lot of people love Turkey so much is because there's nothing like you do come off that dry spell of no hunting and it's just like, I got to get out. I got to get out. I got to get out. They're fun to call. They're fun to watch. They're fun to listen to. But at the end of the day, it's still just like a 20 pound bird. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, if, if turkey hunting was smack dab in the fall, in the middle of elk and mule deer and whitetail and bear and all these other hunts, would people love it as much? I don't think yeah. they would. I think yeah, you I think- have a couple guys that were crazy about it. I'd still go out and try to shoot him, but I don't think, I think a big part of it is that it's like, that's the only thing you got going on. Yeah. And like, I, like our weather up here, it's like, it's been minus 30 with two feet of snow on the ground. And if I go outside, my face hurts. So like, it's funny. I love the fall. Like I love hunting, obviously that's why we're here, but my favorite people are like, well, what's your favorite season? I'm always like the spring, man. Like it's beautiful. It's finally. And I, again, I go back to like all winter, I'm just miserable. And then it's like, it's sunny it's it's warm but it's not like too warm it's it's just beautiful things are greening up like and so yeah i think there goes to something too when it comes to all these spring hunts that i've talked about bear whatever maybe i like it so much because it's like if before i hunted them i would have to wait till september and i'm not a patient man so i'm like wow gotta be something else i can do (laughs) yeah the i and i feel like i like the fall for that same reason because we come off of summer here and it'll be 110 degrees and 90 percent humidity and it's just i'm sweating every day and you can only yeah. take so many clothes off before you're illegal out in public you know and so yeah. i'm like dude i just can't like i i gotta have those sweatshirt nights where it gets cold and you can start a fire and just hang out outside um yeah. and and yeah once those nights start i just know hunting seasons right around the corner so oh yeah it's the best well john i appreciate you hopping on man i do think we're gonna have to do a second episode because we could keep oh, yeah. on going with this stuff and uh uh before we hop off though i want to give you an opportunity to share where people can find you where they can follow you and see some of those pictures that you were talking about yeah so uh j layman so it's j l e h m a n zero five uh is my instagram handle so uh, that's where you can check out like all the stuff I'm doing, most of my hunting and then uh, bird of birds. So B E R T a underscore birds, B I R D S. 
it's kind of like our little waterfowl. We kind of separated that. So if you want to see some waterfowl stuff and it gets, it's not as active now, but it gets pretty active in the fall. And if we do a spring goose hunt here, so yeah, those are the two. Um, I do have TikTok as well. It's JL outdoors. Um, but you know, I'm not as active. Instagram's the one to catch me on. So yeah, hit me up and I'll, uh, I'll chat anyone if they want to chat and send me a message. Sweet. That sounds good, man. Well, thanks again. And, uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Appreciate it.